second grade class from Pepper Heights Elementary with a shockingly accurate little ditty that they wrote. Wow! Thank you, kiddies. Now, don't let your energies flag, kids. Everyone, I know it's getting late. I know we're tired and scared and wondering whether this is all gonna lead up to anything useful, but it is. We're gonna stay here and we're gonna, we're gonna keep our feet planted in the ground until our demands are met. I, Diana Greasefire, am determined to have our voices heard. I will stay here with my zebra-striped sleeping bag and my zebra-striped mask, and I will sleep here until I get answers. All right, come on. How are, you, how are we doing out there? Good? Hello, I can't hear you. Yeah? What do we say? What do we say? That's right. Now we've got a long night of rallying ahead, so have some coffee. It's free over at that table, donated by the lovely folks down at Settler's Coffee. I tell you, this little sexy zebra print number has served me well the last few weeks down at the Hussey, but if I'm honest, now that I'm outside in this cooler October night air, I just wish there were a little bit more of it. But then again, how else am I going to get Mr. Critch to come out and talk to us? Why are in there, Critchy? We know you ain't leaving anytime soon, because your car is currently surrounded by morbid second graders. Come on, sweetie. Yeah, you can stand on the car, jump up and down. Okay. Oh. So, I'm going to bring up my co-host. You may know her from other animal activism activities. She's currently working to educate uh, people about, uh, hang on, I have to read this part, the effect of deforestation on the delicate symbiotic evolutionary relationship between the Madagascar honey orchid and the Madagascar honey wasp, its only known pollinator. Well, that's a mouthful. Anyway, please welcome to the stage, Carol Bergstrom. Thanks, Diana. Uh, you look really good. <clears throat> Whoa, look at all of you out there. You all are really rad to show up for a cause like this. When I think about this issue, I just get so worked up and angry, and I didn't trust myself to not get all emotional up here, so I wrote it down. So I'm just gonna read this and try to, you know, stay calm and carol on. Okay, here goes. <clears throat> Last summer, on August 29th, a little after 1 a.m., a scared and defenseless wild animal had its space violated by an intruder and in a split-second reaction of fear defended itself to the best of its ability. That intruder was a boy named Ian Harris and he was killed. Our hearts go out to his family. But that wild animal is a zebra named Zoe. That has spent nearly 16 years interacting with the public's 
here in Pepper Heights with no incident. Tomorrow morning, Judge Elizabeth Gardner is set to sorry is set to announce her decision about the euthanization of Zoe the zebra. She could very well decide to end Zoe's life based on incidents that were not at all her fault. But we still have tonight to let her know how Pepper Heights really feels. So let's be a loud voice in her ear. Everybody, get out your phones and tweet hashtag SaveZoe at Judge Elizabeth Gardner. Go ahead, everybody, do it now. Or you could email to Judge E. Gardner at Hotmail.com. Hotmail? Oh my god. Can I hear some of her songs on MySpace? Um... <laughs> uh... <laughs> While you guys do that, I wanted to read some uh, zebra facts to you that you might not know. Uh, okay. Zoe the zebra's Latin name is Equus Quagga. When zebras stay in groups, their stripes confuse the eyes of would-be predators, making it hard to single out an individual. The stripes of each zebra are unique, like... The all-night rally. I totally forgot it was tonight. It's fucking going strong now, too, in the parking lot. Jesus, like, everybody from Pepper Heights is here. I'm just wandering through the crowd. Everybody all around me in their zebra shirts with their Save Zoe signs. And my head is killing me because I haven't eaten, like, anything all day. And I just got escorted out of my workplace by Sheila fucking Panzarelli and then told to wait here by a fucking 12-year-old, which I was so out of it that I actually did for a minute before I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Also, why the fuck is Sheila doing security sweeps? I should probably just go home. Hey, I know that guy from the coffee shop. Wait, maybe they have free food here. The crowd is starting to get very bored of the wasp lady's zebra facts. I see Luke looking down at his phone on the side of the crowd. He looks up and f for some reason I do that thing where I act like I don't see him and I think I'll just like look back in a couple seconds and casually see him. But when I look back, he's walking away. Like, maybe he didn't see me the first time. So I start to thread through the crowd to follow him. But I keep losing sight of him. And the boring science channel stuff on stage apparently signaled bathroom and coffee break to everyone so they're all moving around. And all of them are wearing zebra stripes. So they all blend together like... My eyes hurt. Where the fuck did he go? I think, there, there, no, there, no. I literally feel like a starving lion trying to pick a meal out of the black and white swirl. Jesus, this really works. Good job, nature. So I start moving quicker through the crowd. I think I'm turned around and going to the middle again. And people are really starting to jostle me now. And the murmurs have turned into full-on talking. Like nobody's even pretending to pay attention to the stage, which is somewhere behind me at this point. There, I see him again. He's just 15 feet from me, facing the other way. Excuse me. Excuse me. Sorry. Sorry. I bump into some teenage boys and I pass a family, almost tripping on their stroller. Finally, I get up to him and I reach up and I tap his shoulder. Luke. He turns around, but it's not Luke. It's just another boy. Oh, sorry. No, I, I thought you were someone else. I turn back towards the stage. It's just a sea of writhing zebra stripes. 
and then someone taps my arm. I turn around quick, but I don't see anyone. Wait, it's a kid, like seven years old maybe, standing there and looking up at me. Hey, do you need help? He hands me a flyer. I take it and look at it, but it's not a Save Zoe flyer. It just says, hashtag what about Ian in big bold type. I look back up at him, but he's already running back out of the crowd. And then he disappears into a smaller crowd on the side of the rally that I hadn't really noticed before. They're counter-protesters. Some of them have signs that say that same thing, hashtag what about Ian. And others have signs that have two pictures side by side on them. The first picture is Ian as a little kid, smiling and playing in the grass. But the second picture is the police photo of when they found his dead body. zebras is referred to as a herd, dazzle, or a zeal, which is totally neat. Of course, Zoe is a single zebra, which is, you know, just called a zebra. Um, Okay, Carol, thank you. uh, Let's do more facts later. Oh, okay. Anyone who has questions can talk to me later. Okay. Okay, Critchie, you coward. I am standing here in my zebra-striped dress with my zebra-striped sleeping bag in case this goes long and my thermos of hot toddies and my zebra slippers and I am waiting for you to get up the curse and come out here and look me in my face. What do we say, everyone? Say What do we say? Say That's right! Now, I think we should try to enchant Mr. Critchow to talk to us with a little song. What do you say, everybody? You want to sing together with me? Come on, you ready? Here, I'll start us off. We shall overcome. We shall overcome. We shall overcome. So. I just heard Luke's voice, like close by. I look around, but I don't see him. Then a huge zebra-striped balloon floats by at eye level. I watch it pass, and then Luke is right there, just ten feet from me. He sees me too. He doesn't seem surprised, though. I walk up to him slowly, and he puts his phone in his pocket and straightens up. As I get closer, I can see his face. It's sort of a mix of shy and embarrassed and glad and pouty all at the same time. Hey. Hey. What's up? Nothing. What's up with you? Nothing. More More picks. picks. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, so, look, I just, um, you know... There you are! Jesus, why didn't you stay over there? Fuck, Jennifer. Because I'm not your poodle. Like, for being an anti-fascist, you really are... We don't have time for this. The twins, Meryl and Cheryl, walk up behind her. Jennifer looks anxious. She looks down at her watch, then scans the crowd. Luke looks at all of us with a wrinkled expression. What are you guys doing? We are doing nothing. I don't know what she's doing. For once, Jennifer doesn't look angry or mean or smug. She almost looks like a kid. She gets closer to me, looks right at me. They are keeping an animal I love in the dark alone in there, and it's killing her. Tonight, I'm going to go get her out of that dark. That's, like, literally what happens at any zoo. Exactly. They're all animal jails. So you want to jailbreak Zoe? You're a little badass. Yes, but... She takes a deep breath and closes her eyes, then lets it out and opens them and looks at me. I need your help. What are you talking about? You're crazy. Look, you're 12 years old. What the fuck are you planning on doing? First, I'm almost 13. Second, growing up is a myth. And third... She looks back and forth at the twins standing on either side of her, and then back to me with a weird smile. We have a plan. Then she sees something to her left behind me, and her eyes go wide and her face gets serious. Oh no. He's early. I turn around and follow her stare. On the back edge of the parking lot, far from the crowd, there's a utility truck parked under a light pole, and a man in a bucket on a crane coming up from the truck, and the bucket is rising. It gets to the top, and then stops. Okay, okay, it's go time. Meryl, Cheryl, stay on the time markers no matter what. Got it? Got it. Uh, okay. What is going on? No more time. She looks at me and Luke. You in or out? I don't... I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, in... What? Her face looks strange. Please. Please what? The power goes out. The lights and stage and everything. The crowd stops singing and everyone starts shuffling and murmuring, slowly starting to panic. People start yelling for their kids. The only light is from the billboard for the new exhibit way at the other end of the parking lot. Luke steps forward and looks at Jennifer. We're in. I look at Luke. He won't even look back at me. Great. Follow us. She takes off through the crowd. The twins just behind her. I keep looking at Luke, but he just takes off after them. Jennifer, the twins, and Luke are all standing in front of a hole dug under the fence in the front of the zoo. And right as I walk up, Jennifer kneels down and starts to go under the fence. I look around, but nobody sees her. Everyone's just scrambling in the dark and paying no attention. The power going out was a classic diversion. Did she plan all this? Like, what organization are they a part of? The CIA for kids? Jennifer goes through the hole, and then the twins, and then Luke. I look around one more time. Fuck. I follow them through. I get up and brush myself off. And then I go over to where they're at, in the shadows against the souvenir stands and ticket booths. Guys, am I the only one worried about getting caught? Like, what about the security guards? Or Critch, Sheila, 
Critch is watching the live stream of the rally in his office, I bet you 50 bucks. And the security guards follow the same routine every single night. Three guards, three booths. They rotate between the three booths every 30 minutes. She looks down at her watch. We have another 25 minutes before the next rotation. What about Sheila? Like she's the scariest one. Jennifer considers the question. She is sort of a wild card. But it's a risk we will have to take. The good news is, she's not exactly good at being covert. Everybody just watch out for a wheezy cussing thing with a lightsaber flashlight. Look, this isn't just about getting banned from the zoo or me getting fired. Like, we could all get arrested on serious charges. Which is a big deal if you're not a little kid. Luke still isn't looking at me. It's weird they leave the music on all night. It's for the animals. Okay, let's go. Jennifer runs off into the shadows, weaving between food stands, pausing whenever she can, looking at her watch. God, it's like she was made for this. Her legs flick in and out of the dim light, and and the twins are in lockstep right behind her, and Luke is right behind them, his legs almost as quick, and I'm following with legs, legs of a person that doesn't want to get arrested. The twins are whispering things to us like little tour guides. Over there's the rides and the candy clown. Ugh, I used to hate the candy clown. Come on! Jennifer's moving like a little navy seal, doing that thing where she points at her eyes and then points ahead. There's the swan. The other twin points to a single white swan next to the pond. It looks blue in the night. Its head is hidden in its wings. I stop. There's an information kiosk in front of us, but there's movement inside. Guys, wait! There's someone inside that booth. Twins both look back and smile. Lost and found. All the phones. Oh, Jesus. Okay, I look in the window as we pass it. There's a cardboard box full of phones. A lot of them are dead, but some are flickering with messages. Where are you? Are you mad at me? Hey. We round another food stand and walk along this low wall for a few seconds and... And then I see it. The animal gate. There's this tall, decorative iron gate set into a high stone wall that separates the animal exhibits from the rides and the food and stuff. It's this overwhelmingly intricate scene of animals all sculpted with wrought iron, their bodies all twisting around each other and their faces all looking up. It's like a gothic mural but with metal animals. But I've never actually really looked at it because it's always swung open when the zoo is open. Now that I see it, it's really beautiful. Luke slowly walks forward and looks up at the gate. Oh my God. I remember when I was a kid, getting here early enough to see them open the animal gate was like the most magical thing. And then once we got inside, my mom and I would always do the same exact thing every time. Chocolate ice cream cone with a hard dip shell and then visit Zoe. I remember her being almost close enough to touch. It's so weird to think that. I look over off to the side of the gate. Jennifer's trying to unlatch the huge metal bar attached to the stone wall. Need help? Then the latch comes loose and the gate swings free with a loud, deep groan. 
Wow, a lot of good that does keeping people out. Jennifer steps back onto the path and brushes her clothes off, a little out of breath. It's not meant to keep us out. It's meant to keep them in. Then she walks through the gate. The twins follow. Luke goes through behind them, but stops when he sees I'm not following. He turns around and looks at me. For the first time since the parking lot. Are you coming? I don't know. What if I say no? He walks up to me. His face is really soft and sweet. And he doesn't look mad at all. Like, does he not know he didn't text me all day long and, like, left me hanging? Like, what the fuck is he thinking? Are you really going to say no? He reaches out and grabs my hand. My body twitches like an electromagnet. The animal section of the zoo is dark, except for a few random bluish-white lights that make everything look dead and icy. Luke is still holding my hand. These lights are weird. Also, isn't the power out? Like Those are emergency lights. Backup generator. Only essential systems. She keeps her eyes ahead as she talks. And all three of them, the not-Girl Scouts, are walking in front of me and Luke at that specific speed of children that want you to know that they know where they're going and that they're not afraid. And Jennifer starts whispering things too and pointing. It's like all three of them have the whole history of this place memorized. But I can't quite pay attention because all I can think about is Luke's hand. That's the creepy Crawley's building. My dad says that it's just an old shed they let get infested with bugs and it's a crime that they make people pay to see it. That's the parrot William something. He's old. He talks, but he just says numbers. There's the lion and tigers and bears exhibit. A lion, a tiger, and a bear that used to be movie animals. The tiger's been dead for years, though. So now it's just a lion and a bear. I'm trying not to look at Luke, but there's this feeling between our arms. It's like a buzzing. There's the new exhibit. They've been digging holes over there for months now. There's a low wooden barricade in front of the new exhibit, with a sign that says, Coming Soon, on it. And another sign that's half ripped down that says, Gotten Sea. The buzzing feeling surges. We both yank our hands away. That's a bathroom. I hear a tarp snapping in the wind somewhere over in the dark of the new exhibit. Something in my body turns over. Then I hear music. Opera. That's Madame Beauregard's radio. She has to listen to music when she sleeps, or she has nightmares. She used to be a NASA flight test chimp, and she went to space once. But she came back crazy. Then she lived in the swampy part of Florida where some man made her do this sideshow act on the side of the road. Made her wear a nightgown and read a paper and drink coffee. Yeah, but he actually gave her real coffee, so she got addicted. Now she has to have coffee right when she wakes up or she goes insane. Wow. How did I not know any of this stuff? We come around a curve where the main path sort of narrows and then ends at this long iron fence. Just darkness beyond. Jennifer walks up to the fence and stops. 
Zoe's exhibit. Or used to be. I mean, they still let her outside a little bit, way far back there so people at least can still see her. Jennifer looks at me with a pathetic look. Then she hops up and starts to climb the fence. What the fuck are you doing? In no time, she's over and standing in the artificial savannah looking back at us. Come on. The twins go over, then Luke. I'm starting to sense a pattern here. So I put my foot on the fence, but it immediately slips and I hit my knee hard and I fall a little bit. And I do that thing where it hurts so bad that you just hold it and rock back and forth while everyone waits. (sighs) I try again, but I really don't know if I can do this. Jennifer's trying to coach me, but it's just annoying. Uh, just put your foot on the wall. Yeah. Put your other foot on the fence. Now grab the... No, no, no. What? Hold on with both hands and then kind of swing your hip. Yeah. Swing your hips. Okay, no. Like that, but do it better. I'm trying. Just swing your hips. Yeah, now pull... Pull yourself. Now pull your... Okay. Okay, there it is. God damn. I finally make it over and land with a grunt in the dirt. This is the spot where the Harris boy climbed in. The twin is looking right at me. Then she points to a spot on the ground by the wall. And that's where he died. Whoa. I look at the spot. I think about the picture I saw on those signs in the parking lot. He wouldn't have died if it weren't for toxic masculine peer pressure. What? It's a tradition for high school boys to break in here at night and touch Zoe. But he was like 11. Exactly. He heard about his older brothers doing it and wanted to be cool like them. Stupid boy stuff. Exactly. Stupid. And here we are doing the exact same thing. Like... Trust me. I have a plan. I look down at the spot on the ground again. I think I can still see blood stains, but it's so dark I can't be sure. Now let's go. We tiptoe through Zoe's artificial environment. It's made to resemble a rocky outcrop in an African savanna. So what look like rocks from the front are actually just plastic and hollow in the back. I mean, I guess this savannah wasn't made for Zoe anyway. Okay. This is it. Where's your keys? There's a door. It's made to look like stone. That's the help you needed? My keys? I told you I only have keys to the ride building and the broom closet. That's it, those two. So it looks like we're all just going to go home. Good plan. Wait, we're not actually going to go inside inside, are we? No, we're not. Not without keys. Jennifer walks up and looks at me and slams her brow down over her eyes. Listen, come in or not, I don't care. But I've been planning tonight for months, and all I need is to get through that door, and then you can go. After that door is open, I don't care where you go. Yeah, right. And let you just get killed by a murderous zebra? They'd put me in jail for letting you in, stupid. I told you already. Zoe died months ago. Give me the keys, and I'll show you. Wait, what? These keys? I take my keys from my pocket, and I throw them at her feet. Go ahead, try them. I told you they don't fucking go to these doors, so have at it. Jennifer grabs the keys from the ground, walks over to the door, and sticks them in. The broom closet one immediately works. The door swings open. What the f- How? She yanks my keys from the knob and throws them back at my feet. Then she sneers at me and disappears into the dark. The twins follow. I don't understand. Like, I don't understand. Zoe's dead? I'm still looking at the dark of the doorway where Jennifer and the twins disappeared. Almost talking to myself. And who knows? I don't know. She could be, I guess. Zoe's dead. I hear something edging in Luke's voice. I look over at him. He's looking down. 
His eyes are distant. Well, we don't know that yet. He kneels down quickly and starts to pick up pieces of gravel just to have something to do with his hands, it looks like. And the whole time he's looking off in the distance. I walk up to him slowly and kneel down beside him. His lip is trembling. He can't look at me. I wait a few seconds, unsure of what to do, and then I reach out and put my hand on his shoulder. Hey. But as soon as I touch him, he just starts sobbing like he can't hold it back anymore. And he falls into me and he wraps his arms around my torso and cries onto my neck. I feel the wetness on my skin. It feels weirdly good that he's crying on me. And then I feel weird that it feels good. Hey, buddy. You're okay. You're okay. After a bit, his rhythm slowly evens out, and his fingers unclench from my shirt in the back. He buries his face in my neck and just breathes. I breathe too. And our breathing is lining up. We both pull away to our feet we don't really look at each other instead our eyes fall on the open doorway we, we, we have to go in there we, we have to make sure they don't get hurt <sighs> yeah I know the darkness in the doorway seems to be looking back at us like a giant eye socket I don't want to go in there but I know, whatever's going on with this zoo and this zebra is weird. I mean, everything about this place is weird. But I just feel like the answer's, the answer's through that door. Dream Boy is co-created by Dane Terry and Ellie Heyman. Developed and directed by Ellie Heyman. Written, composed, and performed by Dane Terry. Featuring Michael Cavadias, Dito Van Rygersberg, Renata Friedman, Morgan Meadows, Avery Drought, Gianna Mossi, Alice Tolan Mee, Somerset Thompson, and Jake Sellers. Sound designed, engineered, mixed, and mastered by Chris Weingarten at Banana Peel Studio. Edited by Alexander Charles Adams. Creative producer and assistant director Ashlyn Hatch. Associate producer Adam Cecil. Executive producer Christy Grussman. A very special thanks to Night Vale Presents. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at DreamBoyPodcast. For more info and for merch, check out DreamBoyPodcast.com. Hello, iPod broadcast listeners. My name is Meg, and I am one of the esteemed tri-hosts of the beloved iBroad Good Morning Night Vale. I, along with my hilarious friends, fellow Night Vale actors, passionate eaters, and soft-hitting journalists, Symphony Sanders and Hal Lovelin, are now over 100 episodes into our deep-dive recap show of Welcome to Night Vale. We've tackled topics like soft meat crown head cannons, Cecil's fashion, and whether Steve Scones were really all that terrible, plus behind-the-scenes stories from the Night Vale creative family. 
And we've heard from listeners like you about queer representation, Night Veil named pets, major theories, minor questions, and of course, best and worst practices for um, alternative spa therapy services. If you know, you know. Check out Good Morning Night Vale every other Thursday, wherever you get your eye broads, eye casts, pod broads, and podcasts. I think I like pod broads the best. I'm a real pod broad myself.